Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna, typically joined by Andrew Ivins. But as we said today, or yesterday, I should say, two podcasts in a day, Andrew Ivins getting married this weekend. Big weekend for him. So I'm going to bring in another guest from the network. We're keeping it in the company. Some bald-headed dude volunteered, said he would come on, wants to talk about his weight regimen. <laughs> Josh Pate with the late kick. How are we doing, my man? Yeah, I got a, I got a toothpick here, Koopy, from a restaurant I have no business at, but uh, the company paid for it. So it's been a good afternoon as we're recording, of course. It's been a good afternoon. Hey, credit Ivan's, by the way. I rail against these people who force these fall weddings, especially Saturdays in the fall. So Andrew Ivins is pour one out to him from all of us. Congratulations. I'll clap if no one else will. And um, I'm happy to, to provide the depth that's needed in his absence, but he'll be back. Ivins will be back if I know him like I think I do. Did you get the invite to the wedding in Fort Lauderdale? Next. <laughs> First question. All right, Josh, I wanted to, I wanted to bring you on the show because I think me, like many, are like, I just kind of want to get to the origin of who you are and how you got here and what your story is. And I sent you a bunch of questions that I'm not going to ask you because that's what you did to me on the National Signing Day show. We had this beautiful script. Uh, yeah. we, went, we went over it the day before. We had a whole production meeting, whole team. We get on there. <laughs> has nothing to do with it. We end up talking about something else completely different. So that's what I'm going to do. But in, in all seriousness, like, you know, it's a downtime of the year and, and, and just got done doing a podcast with Chris Peterson, my old boss. And here's a guy who's so su successful and so passionate about his craft and his craft is teaching, not so much coaching, but teaching. And he loves teaching. And I think with you, it's like, you know, one of those things, you, you look back and, man, it, it has to feel like it's happened all really, really quickly for you. I mean, since I've known you, I've only been at the company a little less than two years. And the way that late kick has grown 
exponentially over that time in the way that you have presented it to the college football media. But I, I want to start way back and I want you to kind of take me through the timeline of, OK, how did how did this come about? But like, where are you from? How many siblings do you have? Did you go to high school? Do you know how to ride a bike? Did you go to college before you graduated and got your master's degree in Pate State? The upbringing of Josh Pate and how it all accumulated to where you are now. Well, there's a there's a reason my my trajectory took the direction it took. It has a lot to do with upbringing. I didn't grow up. Um, I, I did. I certainly didn't grow up rich. I did not grow up poor. I was just a tweener, probably a little more on the the down economic side than the up, but I was a tweener. And the reason I mention that is I think there are millions of people out there, a bunch of folks watching right now, maybe in their early 20s, are probably where I was. You didn't have that hunger instilled in you knowing that I am my family's meal ticket. If I don't make it, none of them are going to make it. So you didn't grow up like that, but you also didn't grow up on third base knowing it doesn't matter if I screw around. My dad owns this company and I'll, I'll just, life is set for me. And so you're just kind of floating. And I go to high school, Harris County High School, by the way, I grew up stable household, one sibling, several dogs. And then I go to Columbus State University for a couple semesters. And then I dropped out. I had no purpose. I didn't, I didn't, it was a waste of money. It was a waste of my time. And so I went and worked a lot of jobs that I didn't have much of a passion for. But if you would have asked me at 18, 19, 20 years old, who are you? I could have told you the information on my driver's license, but I couldn't have told you what I was passionate about. I couldn't have told you what I thought I was called to do. I could not have, I could not have presented my identity as a person beyond the surface. That's a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing if you can realize that and start to work on it, but a lot of folks don't, and I didn't. So it took a long time. And I, I mean, I knew I thought TV was cool. I knew I loved college football but I didn't have any relatives in the business. I didn't have a journalism degree from Northwestern or Syracuse. So I thought that's, that's what I'm going to watch on Saturday. But a job, I thought for a long time, that's something you don't like to do. And that's what I need to do Monday through Friday. So I worked in construction. Um, I worked in AC and heating installation. I ended up in a fabric warehouse and none of that, obviously I wanted to do, but it was just a job. And there were a couple of things. I'll, I'll tell you this. I told I told Nick Saban this, actually. He came to town one night when he was first at Bama, and he spoke uh, down the road. So it was about like a $50 ticket. So, I mean, I had to borrow money, but I went there and listened to him. And him talking, it was the first time anyone ever presented the idea of process-oriented thinking in a way that clicked with me. Certainly, I had heard it before, but it was just, whoosh, just over my head. And that was about the time I was working at that fabric warehouse. And that was also about the time the owner of said fabric warehouse, uh, last name Rothschild, maybe you've heard of those folks. It was about the time that that guy, in one of his last acts before he died, he paid for me to go back to school and said, please, just if you don't do it for yourself, please make this a worthwhile investment for me. Because at that time, he believed in me more than I did. And I thank him for it. And so there was just, I don't know why it was the way it was then, but there was all of a sudden a little bit different spark in me academically shined from that point on. But also that's about the time where I started to think that maybe more is possible than just doing this, than just hauling around rolls of fabric off a Southeastern freight truck every morning at 9 a.m. And so I just 
badgered and badgered and badgered the PD, the program director at the ESPN radio affiliate in Columbus. I said, just, I'm not asking you to put me on air. Just let me come, let me come watch a show. I'd never been in a studio before. And he let me. And about two months passed. And his co-host calls in one day, five minutes before showtime. He's sick. He can't do the show. And he has no option. He says, you want to be on air? I can't do this three-hour show by myself. You want to be on air? And he put me on there. That was 2012, 2013. I've never been off air since then. I've either done a radio, elevated to TV, and eventually, you know, it's a longer story, but that gets us to where we are today. But, man, it was, um, you say it feels like it's happened overnight. It doesn't feel that way to me at all. It is, it is something that people have probably only seen recently on the national level. But I can assure you, there were, there were a lot of times. There was a stretch, a long, years-long stretch where, man, I was, I was sort of teetering on the brink of just pissing my life away, really. And, and the potential and talent that we all have, that in me was going to be wasted. And so I view myself as a statistic, but I also view myself as someone whose story is really important to be told because I'm, I'm not stupid. I know there are millions of folks out there right now who are in that situation. You got talent, you got potential, and you can make the opportunities out of that. And folks are willing to help you if they see that you're worth investing in. But the spark has to happen. It doesn't matter. Like most people know they're not where they need to be. You got to find that spark. It sounds so cliched, but man, once you find it, it can make a world of difference. So my guy got Wally pipped. You got an opportunity. You never let him back in his seat. That's what it kind of feels like a little bit. But on a serious note, so you do get the first crack at it, right? An opportunity comes into the universe and you take hold of it. And I wonder from you, I mean, at that point forward, I mean, what was it something that you considered natural for you? But how, how did you go about it? And, and I know you well enough to know that you're you're an evolving person. You take a look at your work and you continue to evaluate ways how you get better day in and day out and, and everything that you're doing. And, and you're a master of your craft that way. But in terms of finding your voice and formulating it over that time from going to radio to going to TV to all of a sudden now hosting your own show. I mean, what has that process been like from where you were when you first got that opportunity in radio that day to where you are now? And then what's kind of the general thought process to kind of keep you ahead of the sticks and on the cutting edge of what you do? So I remember long before I got that opportunity, I remember just I would listen to different like motivational speakers and they would always talk about getting yourself ready before the moment comes. You don't wait until the moment comes to get yourself ready. And I may have been ignorant towards a lot of things, but at the very least, I understood that concept. So I knew and I also had someone around that time explain to me how you either spend time or you invest time. Only two things you can do with time. And I knew when I did a self inventory, I drove around a lot. I would drive to and from work. I would drive to and from school. I eventually got back in school and graduated, by the way. So I would I spend a lot of time in that 04 Toyota Tundra every day. And I realized listening to music, as great as music is, is time spent. So I took it upon myself for a couple of years, really, to hit the mute button. And I would just simulate talk radio in my truck, I just talk to myself like a psychopath. And I got hundreds and thousands of hours accumulated of repetition of what equated to on-air reps, really, if you think about it. And I got in that radio studio that day when he finally let me on air. We did a full three-hour show. It felt like the most natural thing in the world. I felt like I'd done it for years. He asked me, the host asked me after the show, where have you worked before this? 
And I told him, I've never worked in radio, TV. I've never done any of this. And he thought I was lying because I sounded like I had done it for a long time. But that's kind of because I had. And so that's that that was the first like blinking red light of, wow, these people who've been giving me this advice kind of know what they're talking about. Because if I would have screwed it up that day, I have no clue if I would have gotten another opportunity. And then you kind of transition. I got a call from a GM at a TV station one day out of the blue. I've never met him. He said, I've been listening to you on my drive home every day. Do you want to come do a local weeknight college football show for me? You never done TV? That's fine. We'll put it at 10 o'clock. We'll, we'll let you learn the hard way. So did that. Eventually became their sports anchor, too. Never done anything like this, by the way. I'm totally unqualified to do it. And uh, after two years, that elevated to news anchor, which is really, really depressing most of the time. And I started, that's, that's about the time, if you think back, think about anyone watching this right now, think about how you have ingested media. Those mid-20-teens years, that's really when most people started to realize, I could get pretty much everything I want to see on something like YouTube. Facebook Live was also big around that time. And I realized for a long time, I had just thought in my head, when I watch these folks on ESPN, they're in a different world than me. And there were, there are two things always that were going to keep someone like me out of there. And it was overhead and distribution. You got to have those big fancy studios to reach the masses and you've got to have the distribution to reach the masses. Otherwise, no one has the capability of seeing you. And then all of a sudden those streaming giants decided we're going to give every one of our members, we're going to give everyone on our platform the ability to go live. Well, that was the game changer. Like that was just, instantaneous Berlin wall falls down. Everyone's got a shot. And I went to the management at that TV station and I said, we need to think bigger. We're doing a local show here. No one's watching it. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's on a D2. The CW is a D2. It's the NBC affiliate. Uh, no one's watching this. Why would we limit ourselves to our television market? It's antiquated thinking. And of course, I'm a rookie. I know nothing about nothing. They've been in the business 40 years, so they weren't receptive to it. And so that's when I realized I'm going to have to do it myself. So I started my own YouTube channel. They shut it down quickly because in my contract it read, I cannot do any kind of content that competes with what I'm being paid to do, which is their prerogative. So I let my contract run out and they offered me a new contract to be news anchor there. Keep doing what I was doing. I said, nope, got down to the last day that I was contractually obligated to work there. And news director and GM called me into the office and said, pretty much we were calling your bluff. We thought that you were going to renew. What are you about to do? Do you have another job offer? Like, where are you going to go? And I said, I've told you what I'm going to do. They just didn't believe me at first. I said, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go start a YouTube channel, which was just crazy to them at the time. No one makes money off YouTube at the time. And I had no guarantee it was going to work out. But man, I was making 24, five a year. And I was already broke, already been evicted from my apartment anyway. So it wasn't like I was going to lose less money than not having any. So I reached an agreement with them to be an independent contractor, which freed me up from contract, which allowed me in exchange for working as their news anchor to get studio time every night. And we launched something called Late Kick the next week. And we started emanating a live YouTube streamed college football show from a professional TV studio. And uh, about two, two and a half years later, Shannon Terry, who was at 24 seven at the time, called me up, said, uh, we've seen what you've done. We want you to come do that thing for us and we'll get out of your way because you know more about it than we do, but you can just have CBS's resources and 24 seven's resources. We want you to come do that here. And 
we've come and done it. It's been very successful. But the thing about the vision of it is it's so easy. You just listen to people. That's all you have to do. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You listen to what people want. You listen to what they don't want and you traffic accordingly. And about the time I got here is when COVID happened and COVID was a terrible time for a whole bunch of folks, myself included. I lost family members during that time. But what happened in the media industry is a lot of folks exposed themselves and a lot of folks started repelling their audience uh, because they started putting out content and putting out opinions that no one cared about. Your audience didn't care about it. They don't come to you for that. And so we just stuck to college football and it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. But because we were doing that, whereas all the other networks were talking about all kinds of things you didn't care about, our numbers just scaled immediately and they never left. That audience never left us. In fact, I think they came to us and left the places that they had come from previously. I know I used to watch a lot of what a lot of us used to watch. And uh, it's been a long time since my viewership patterns looked like they did 10 years ago. So I, I am our audience. And that's why it's, it's really, I mean, Cooper, frankly, it's easy to format our show uh, because when you are your audience, it's not that difficult to figure out what you need to talk about. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna. If you want to subscribe to the show, make sure you can do that on Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcasts. Josh, you know, I've known you for a little over a year and a half. What would you think about that, dude? Do you like that little break? What do you even call that in the media industry? I Well, here's, here's the way. I, I don't know what they call it. Here's what I do. <laughs> I have decided that every podcast does that. You know, every podcast, hey, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. And I listen to podcasts just like the rest of you do. And I ignore the call to action just like the rest of you do. So I, I took it upon myself on Late Kick recently to start informing people that that's how you keep this stuff free. It costs money to produce this stuff, at least when you're gonna do it at a reasonably high level. It costs money to employ just angels amongst us, like Lance, who's producing this right now. Uh, the dude does not want to work for free, believe it or not. And so there is a thing you have to do in the real world, and that is charge people for content. But in this world, because we have the backing of 24-7 and CBS, we don't have to do that. The only thing you have to do to keep quality content free is like the video you're watching, or subscribe to the feeds. And here's the good news. Unlike the real world, there's no side effect. There's no downside to liking and subscribing. You don't fill the mailbox up. We don't put you on all kind of mailing list or anything like that. It just helps us with no strings attached. So that that thing there, whatever they call that, that's that's what I've been doing lately. I feel like for the viewer, it's like, you know, because I, I watch a recruiting show all the time and Emily's on there, just same deal. Like, hey, like and subscribe the show. And as a viewer, yeah, I'm an employee of the company. I should be smashing that like button. But I'm like, hey, you know what? I want to keep my freedom. I want to keep my leverage a little bit. That's right. Let me see it. Let me let me get in 20 minutes. Recruit of the show. me. Let me, let, me, yeah, me. let me earn that like a little bit. Let me smash that like button. But you know what's funny? I go back to what you said, and it's like you and I were talking. I'm probably going to get you into a little bit of uh, hot water here. But I remember I had this idea it's not really an idea it's a pretty simple concept you know when i came to the company i was like i want to be able to put together a podcast that talks about pretty interesting things like what we're talking about right now your career path it is it's not one that is is one that is uh traditionally charted 
I would say. And I respect that. And I think a lot of people, like you said, it's important for people out there that are maybe in the position that you were in at one time that are just hanging on right now to see something and somebody like you or somebody like Chris Peterson and people trying to make it in football that reminds them of themselves and they can put themselves in their situation that maybe keeps them going a little bit. But I, I, I remember when I got to 24 seven, I had this idea about the podcast and for whatever reason, I just couldn't, couldn't get it approved. And you're like, Cooper, just do it. And I said, what do you mean? Just do it. I said, the company don't, was not going to let me do it. And you're like, just do it. And I'm like, all right. So I did it. And Andrew and I started Oyster Boys Radio and it was very similar to the story that you had you know, you get a call two weeks later, it's like slap on the wrist, like, uh, uh-uh, you're not doing that anymore. Come do it for us now. But point of achieved. And I'm not saying that's the way to go about it every single I, time, uh, but I'm telling you that's the way to go about it. Well, and here's the thing at the end of the day, just like you did, you believed in your vision, you know, and we're just getting started over here. It really has nothing to do with us. I just like the idea, like the idea of being able to talk about with people about a lot of different topics that, yeah, some of them are about football, but some of them are about, you know, life and how they how they got to, to where they have gotten in life. So, you know, it's pretty fascinating, you know, to see how you, how you kind of went about your business and getting to where you're at now. And I think it, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, like as the show show has grown and evolved for you, I mean, is it is it difficult not to fall into the trap of like, hey, we're we're doing well here, and there's statistical evidence of that that shows. But knowing you, I know you kind of want to keep pushing the limit on what late kick can be in the potential of late kick in 24 seven sports, not just your show, but 24 seven sports in general, as we're kind of dipping our toes into this world of streaming platforms and illuminating more of the college football recruiting process. I mean, for you, how do you, how do you balance the success that you've had? And also what you said earlier of thinking big, and then thinking far down the line and bringing that into reality and then also making the people that write your checks at the end of the day happy. The last question is the easiest one now. Uh, At the beginning, it's the hardest part because you're unproven. You're coming from the independent creator world into the legacy media world. And for those of you out there who don't know what that means, that, that is bringing an alley cat indoors. And then all of a sudden the alley cat comes in and thinks he knows better than you or seems like he thinks he knows better. That's not the easiest sell. But 100 percent of the time, Cooper, when you put money in front of people, when they start making money and when the results are there, they'll let you do whatever you want to do. Within a reason, they'll let you do whatever you want to do. So we don't get told no anymore. We used to. We don't get told no. We got the number one college football show in digital media. We, we can do whatever we want to because the support is there. And the finances are there. So that's the easy part now. But the complacency, success, like those words you just said, I was broke not too long ago. If you ever have been broke, if, you, if you've ever been in that position, you will never forget how to work like you're broke. We work like we're broke every day. Uh, side, side note, I dress like I'm broke, as you clearly see. So why not work like I'm broke? But it also is why I insisted on having my people here. And by my people, I mean 
we got we got producer Jesse, who is a real person who was in Stanford, Connecticut with this company, doing a ton and doing it at a high level. And I thought he was underutilized, brought him here. Superstar had a guy named Bradley Tarver. I worked with master control operator, making no money whatsoever down in Columbus in uh, the local news scene, brought him here. Instant game changer. The day I walked into this company, I met director Colin, Colin Bell who was probably the most underutilized person here, fully capable of punching, which is what we call directing, fully capable of directing live broadcast, live television quality broadcast. No one even knew it and pulled him, pulled him with me day one. And that's, that's our orbit. We keep it pretty small and then we've got production assistance, but you, you, if you've worked for Mario Cristobal, you've worked under Saban, it's the same mentality. You, you have to have your core group, understand what the main thing is and understand the way we define competition is not the way the normal world defines competition. I have no clue what kind of numbers Joel Klatt does. I love Joel Klatt, by the way. So I'm not, I'm not speaking ill of him at all. I'm saying the other products in the space, I have no clue what kind of numbers they do because that's not our competition because that's not the way we view competition. It's just a standard. It's just your maximum potential. And we haven't achieved that yet. So that means we haven't succeeded yet. We are, we are reaping benefits of growth in numbers. But to me, like I look at our show, everyone calls it successful. And I think we've scratched the surface. I just met 30 minutes ago with a major client that I think we could bring on board and just catapult us in the stratosphere of doing a lot of different things with the show. I mean, we can take it on the road anytime we want now. We've got We've got ends with virtually every major head coach and every athletic department in the country. And so when you have all that, I mean, that's a game changer, but it also means you ought to be putting out world-class content. And if you're doing anything less than that every week, then you're failing. And we are not, I think, at the cruising altitude that we could get to. In fact, I would love for us never to use the word cruising or altitude around here. I would just love to, to head up and up and up. But I'll tell you the ultimate thing that I want to have happen is uh, here's what I would call success. Many people in this company having more zeros on their paycheck because this exists. That would be success to me. Like any, anyone, well, I don't say anyone, a lot of folks can make themselves more money. A lot of folks can have success for themselves. Do you change other people's lives? Have you created something and are you presenting something, producing something that is so rare, so special, and, and hits at the core of what people want so much that other people that are just affiliated with you have their lives changed. You look at what Pat McAfee's done. Pat McAfee is a very, very wealthy person now. There are people around Pat McAfee that are wealthy because they're associated with him, because they believe, because they're the right people, and because they've been able to scale a product that there was a huge market for. That's the vision. It's not how do we measure up to the competition. That stuff's so irrelevant. Looking at numbers and charts, that stuff's so irrelevant. Your people, your audience will tell you when you're doing a good job. You, you don't need a P&L sheet. You don't need an Excel spreadsheet emailed to you, although Lance does a great job doing that anyway. That is how you define success. You know, you've always been one to talk about being able to pull people with you and the, and the gravity of that and why it's, why it's important in your process. You know, I think about... and. I'll bring this up and we can take this wherever you want to go with it. But, you know, you just signed a, a new contract at 24 seven. If I was a well-educated man in this industry, what I would say is that you had plenty of opportunities elsewhere to go elsewhere and to do a lot of different things. 
but for you to 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 stay at this company and continue to build. And when I asked you about this originally, you said, I got everything I could ever possibly want, right? In terms of what I'm doing, what I'm allowed to do and where I think I can potentially take this thing in the future. I mean, was there ever any any part of you that thought, hey, my, my future is going to be somewhere else than where I'm at right now? I'm not... I'm not naive enough to think that I'll just stay parked for the same place for 50 years, right? the same place for 50 years, only because history says that's rare. But this last contract negotiation, there is, if I wanted to leave this company, I wouldn't have had a reason to leave. They have given us everything. I mean, this company, man, they've, I have some fun with our management from time to time, but they have been over backwards and there's a reason for it. There's a big return on their investment. But the thing about it is, they invested in me before there was a return. And I, I'll never forget that. You don't forget the folks who give you your first shot. It's easy once the product's established for all the other companies out there, which you mentioned, and yes, they did come calling. It's easy for them to do it at that point. But this company took a chance when there was really no proven production. And not only did they do that, Cooper, but also you got to understand if you've worked in local news like I have, and you've had no budget, and you've seen how toxic uh, cultures and environments can be, which I guess you don't just have to have worked in local news to experience. But if you've ever, if you're listening to this right now and you've worked in a toxic environment or you're listening to this right now and you know an idea would work, but you've just been told, no, we don't have room in the budget for it. Imagine being in a world where you don't get told no. And imagine being in a world where you're, you're working on top of one of the biggest platforms in your industry, being CBS and Paramount. And imagine them just saying, what do you need from us? There's no downside. There is no, yeah, but. Uh, we've got a, a phenomenal culture in our office here. I've got great crew that I'm able to have. We get unlimited cooperation in terms of distribution. That means just getting our show out to people. So that is so rare. Usually in exchange for all of that, you're either having to sign your life away or you're having to put up with, with really, really unlikable people. We get all the pluses and we have no negatives. I mean, if you asked me what my biggest beef with this company is right now, I don't even know what I would tell you. It's a little too warm in the office for my taste. This is like a, a 76, 77 group of folks and I'm more a 68, 67, but they're just, man, we've got such minor issues compared to what 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 normal people experience and i know that because i've experienced it in the past and it's even more ramped up in the media industry so when you've got when you're in a sweet spot you got to fight to stay there because that is it, the situation i'm in right now i don't think it exists anywhere else in our industry i have no clue where else you could do what i'm doing right now we're going to take a quick break you're listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little... Or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast was there ever a point when you when you initially started to see the show grow and i think at the same point of like are you've always had the self-belief right in the vision of the show which has carried it because you're also the, the the narrator of the show, but as the company sees this grow, I have to imagine at some point, and I'm not just putting it on CBS Paramount, it's a company I work for too, but at some point, other people want to get involved and tell you how to maybe potentially do your job for you. And I know you have no issue saying what needs to be said. How have you kept the main thing the main thing and be able to navigate those waters because that's the expectation the bigger you get we talked about the tide that you're going to bring with you ultimately at the end of the day more people are going to try to get involved with your product and tell you how to run shop how have you navigated that end of it i think being an idea man is overrated you know some people encourage you present ideas as much as you possibly can it's not my advice my advice is present good, well thought out, logic based ideas as much as you can. And what I think our company has learned is I may sit in a meeting and not say a word, especially when we have some higher level folks in there. But if I do open my mouth, everybody listens because they know I'm not going to present you anything. We haven't we haven't workshopped internally. We've batted a thousand. Every one of our big ideas that we've brought to the powers that be here, they've, they've paid dividends tenfold, hundredfold. So they've got proof of production, proof of performance, as you would call it. And then also, um, it's just an environment right now. I don't know if it'll be this way in 10 years, but right now the environment is so rich and has been cultivated to plant new ideas and it grow very, very quickly. It's in, in digital media in general right now. I would encourage anyone listening. It's not just at CBS. That happens to be where I am. But there are places right now where the soil is very fertile. And I, I look around and I can't believe that there aren't more products like this that have that have sprouted out of nowhere. There's some folks doing really good work. But I'm very surprised that people haven't looked and just outright duplicated 
uh, what we do here, which I would welcome. Uh, high tide raises all boats as far as I'm concerned. But we have really, really good people here. And we have, you know, someone like Adam Stanko, who came here from the Pac-12 network and now sort of heads up what happens at 24-7. He's been like the best dam in the world because he holds back a lot of that stuff you talked about, a lot of that clutter that would get in the way of the creative process and the production process. There are fights that guy wages for us you never even know about until like a couple of months later when he wants a little pat on the back for it. But it's it's so rare. Like, again, what I'm saying right now, that's a rare situation to be in. So that is how we're able to keep the main thing the main thing because we don't have a lot of crap put in front of us because it's a really, really good environment we're in. You know, you, you talked about some some other people out there at, at different places doing some cool, neat things. I mean, is there is there anybody off the cuff who kind of catches your eye that you take a you take a look back and maybe maybe they're starting at the ground level and maybe they're just getting started. Maybe they're at a different point in their career that you say, wow, I just kind of really respect the way they can conduct their business. And maybe there's some guys out there that you grab a couple ideas from and say, hey, I, I, I want to try that and what I'm doing. You know, because you're in this constant state of learning and trying to get better. Who are the guys that or, or women out there that that you look up to uh, in the media space? I, it's, it's a wide range of them now. Um, let me circle back to you guys, because, you well, I've talked to you off the record a lot about what you guys do conceptually and how there's there's always been a market for this. But I think Cole Kublik does a really good job. Um, th that's a guy who has long since had a voice that should have been scaled in the opinion-based commentary sector of our industry. Um, and he started to do that. I think Greg McElroy does a really good job with what he does independently. Joel Klatt, love the stuff that he puts out. Uh, but I also think that when, when you look at the model right now, the legacy model, which is just the, the old school media way of doing things versus the more inverted digital model, I think tail will wag the dog over the next decade. I think it's already happening in a lot of places and I'm seeing it. Uh, so I can confirm for you, this is not just opinion. A lot of the folks who are at the top levels of these companies, corporations, they see where the audience trends. They understand where the ad dollars are going. And so a lot of people who are in what you would have called more niche based portions of these media companies five years ago, all of a sudden they're front facing. And all of a sudden you may have huge chunks of the college football public or the MLB NBA public that know the faces and names on digital media more than they do your legacy media networks. And so what do you do if you're running ESPN or ABC or CBS? Well, what you do is you divert resources and you rechannel it towards where the viewership's going. And so I think you'll see a lot more products like that pop up, but in our house here internally, I th we do a recruiting show every day hosted by Emily Proud that I think is really good. And they've just scratched the surface of what they can do with that. But I always thought that what you and Ivan's do has been long overdue. And I, what I mean by that, and you think about the structure of it, if you watch the show every day, to me, there's a there's kind of a barrier between the scouting side of recruiting the eval side of recruiting and the reporting scoop side of recruiting. And if you could ever take someone who is fluent in scouting and take someone who is very, very well sourced and is fluent in delivering scoop and you could merge them into one product, you're presenting the totality of the world of recruiting. And I know that's easier said than done because a lot of times, as you well know, some of the folks who have covered this thing forever, they're not comfortable on camera. 
And some of the folks who were comfortable on camera couldn't beat their way out of a wet paper bag when it comes to actually evaluating or bringing scoop that no one else has. But I think you guys have found the right dynamic. And I, I think a lot of folks here realize that too. I think more people will realize it. And just like our show did, you'll get more distribution, you'll get more scaling and you'll eventually see it blow up. But those are a few, I, I shouldn't have even started a list cause it's not exhaustive, but those are a few of the folks that I watch in the podcasting world. I've always been a solid verbal guy. I used to listen to them before I'd ever spoken into a microphone. So I love, really love what those guys do. There is a very, very noticeable, unique feel. It's kind of a podcast culture, if you will. And that's what it should feel like. There should be a very unique fabric that's woven into what you do. It shouldn't seem like you're playing anyone else. It never works out long-term if you're trying to emulate someone else because you're, you're meant to be you. You're not meant to be someone else. So I'm almost out of, I'm almost out of red drink here, by the way, non-alcoholic of course, but I'm almost out. Not even sure what that is. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. The, I would say that the show, I mean, you, you come over, uh, you know, from your previous job, you started 24 seven and I would, I think this is fair to say the expectations, like if somebody were to ask you a couple years, two years ago, correct? Is it a little two, over two three years, years ago? Three years ago now. Three, three years ago when you came to 24 seven, like in my mind, if somebody were to ask you three years ago, if you'd be in this position right now, in my mind, you would tell them that's not a surprise to me at all. I thought we'd have the biggest college football show in the world. That's what I thought we would do. So it's what I think we're on the way to doing now. I, I think that there were some things out of our control that needed to change and are still in the process of changing. And that's just what we just talked about, viewership habits. It's still foreign to a lot of people to go to a digital platform, whether it be podcasting or YouTube or whatever. It's still kind of foreign for a lot of people who grew up in a different generation to use that platform as opposed to just watching traditional television. And so that that's out of your control. But I also knew something else. You can change people's minds and you can change their viewership habits if you consistently present a quality product, which I feel we do. And uh, I, I don't have to be braggadocious in saying that because we really don't even format the show. The audience does. We just have the baseline intelligence enough to shut up and listen to what people want. It's why we don't it's why we don't hammer NIL over and over and over again. I talk about it from a different angle, but we realized early on people don't care about NIL. They care about transfer portal 10 to 1 to NIL. And yet I still watch folks wasting so much time talking about NIL and there's a way to talk about it. It's interesting. Uh, but there's a wrong way to and I see a lot of folks in our industry do that. So I I wouldn't be surprised, man. I would be surprised if we weren't here. And and if, if you showed me today and we weren't here, I would have thought to myself, something outside of our control must have gone wrong uh, because I, man, I've, I'm unsure about a lot of things. I was never unsure about the vision. I knew it would work. I mean, I, I knew it would work and we have the right people. So I especially knew it would work. I, I, the first day I ever worked here, I sat down with Shannon Terry and I remember him vividly saying, you know what I want better than I know what I want. So go do it. Just go do it. If, if you do anything that gets the company in hot water, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stand in front of you and then I'll scold you after the day's over, but go do it, go do whatever you need to do. Um, Shannon's not even here anymore, but yet that attitude, that approach 
has never changed. Do you know in three years, I've never had anyone. I think I've had one moment where I had a run in with our HR and they were right, by the way, I had said something I wasn't supposed to say, but I don't think we, we have never been interfered with creatively. There has never been anyone from sales or from corporate say, hey, we need you to talk about this. There's never been anyone contrary to popular belief that says you work for CBS. You need to prioritize the SEC. None of that stuff's ever happened. It's like the door has been closed and we've had the greatest security guard in the world. Second part of that question, which really wasn't even a question. I just tossed it to you and you started talking. You got a big following. You got over 100,000 people that follow you on Twitter. Like I, I keep saying, the show's a hit. You're a brand name in college football now. A lot of good things come with that territory. Like, is it, has anything changed for you over these last two years? Like, I mean, you love, like, you're a grassroots guy. You love being at these games. You, you love being in the middle of it. I mean, you, you do have this incredible pulse on the game in the, the average fan. Has anything changed for you with the success over the last two years? It can be anything. It doesn't have to be a business perspective. I just wonder from a popularity standpoint, when you go out on the road, I mean, what's it, what's it like for you? How does that feel for you now that you're in the spot and you kind of delivered on all the things you wanted to deliver on? And now it's being so well received by the people really at the end of the day that you just wanted to enjoy it the most. I mean, what is that, what is that feeling like? Oh, it's, it's really weird. In, in the best of ways, it's really weird because I I don't think I'll ever get used to being recognized. It almost embarrasses me to talk about it, you know, because I don't I don't think of myself like that. And I'm not one of those folks who's lying to you when they say that. I really mean I don't think of myself like that. I mean, I still wear a white T-shirt on air. Do you know how many people, Cooper, have come to us and said, how about a brand partnership? How about we send you product for free? How about we pay you influencer money? to do this. And uh, no, we, we actually turn down money here sometimes. Hope sales doesn't hear that. But I, I think the biggest thing that's changed is doors opening. You know, it used to be, I fought back in the local news days to even be able to go on the road. And that's if we could get credentialed. We didn't always get credentialed. I mean, I remember Jerry Emick, who I, who I know now and love at Ohio State. I, I registered for credentials to the Ohio State-Michigan game one year because I hoped he would look at Columbus and not realize it was Columbus, Georgia, and just in a, in a busy moment of neglect, just approve us. And he emailed me and said, why in the world would you want to cover this game? And I basically said, you got us. Um, doors open now for us. That's, that's the most appreciative part. Like when I'm, in a, when I'm in a town on Friday, it's not at all uncommon for the SID or, or the DFO or the head coach in some cases to text me and say, Come over to the building. If you got some free time, come over to the building. We're going to be here till ten o'clock. We got recruits in town. Uh, just come on over here, man. Like you want us to show you around. You want to, you want to shoot some social stuff. You want to do the show from over here. And with that, of course, comes access and information. Those are the two most precious commodities in our business. Those are the two most precious commodities as a viewer that you're looking for. People can people can make you laugh, and that's great. And we try and do it as much as we can. But if you're taking time out of your day. You want access, you want me to be able to take you places no one else takes you, and you want information. You want to be able to have a different spin, a different opinion, or, or different actual information and intel than you're getting anywhere else. And when those coaches make themselves available to you and when they open their program up to you because they trust you enough to do it, that is a game changer. And so I think that's the biggest thing that's changed. Has there been a wow moment for you 
like in terms of sitting across from somebody like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. I, I know you got a pretty funny story about the Kirby Smart at SEC Media Days, but you know, has there has there been one interview where you like you get the realization of okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of living out my dream here. Like this is a little bit different, right? And you talk about your creative freedom and how much that means to you. And, and I think anybody that's worked on this side, I barely worked on this side, but I think anybody at the end of the day that is going to get involved in a creative process, they just want to be able to try different things and do things that they feel might connect with their audience. And for you, like, has there been an interview where you're like, man, I just got to dive into this. I got to be really well prepared. And this one for me, it just, it, it, it feels bigger for whatever reason. Yeah. I'll tell you the only time I ever felt like that uh, two times, the first was Todd Berry. He was the head coach at ULM at the time. And that's the first head coach we ever got when I was in Columbus. It's the first head coach that we were ever able to interview. And then we got Mark Richt just randomly the next week. I mean, I sent emails to everyone and, and didn't get a return. Puritan at the time at Alabama actually at least answered me and said, probably not right now, Josh. But um, yeah, Mark Rick came on the show. And I just that was the first time I'd ever interviewed coaches. Uh, but nowadays, it is a big deal, man. When you sit face to face with Nick Saban, when you sit face to face with guys, in his case especially, that, ha that he's had a legitimate impact on me. Like his presence his existence at Alabama, him being there at the time he's been there and me being where I was in life and just kind of being exposed to like his message, his, his way of doing things that impacted me. I can't guarantee you I would have done anything if it wasn't for him. So you'll have people all the time accuse you. Oh, you sound you sound a little bit like a Saban homer. Well, the guy can't even fit his national championships on one hand. Uh, that's the first thing. So if you're going to be accurate in portraying him, you're going to sound like a homer. But the other thing about it is, man, I'm, I remember when I was a kid and I grew up in a household where, of course, college football was first and foremost. And they would, you know, I would, my dad would have all these old VHS tapes and these books and whatnot. And Cooper, man, I remember the way they would talk about Bear Bryant when I would go to a family reunion or listen to the older folks talk. And that's a guy who had passed away long before I had been born. So he was like a mythological being to me. I didn't even think of Bear Bryant as a human. I thought of him as one level above that. The same way they describe uh, Babe Ruth in the Sandlot. That's how I thought of Bear Bryant growing up. And then I also remember thinking those kinds of guys don't exist anymore. And we got one right now. And I, my career has been able to coincide with that guy. You've been able to work under him. That's the kind of stuff you talk about 50 years from now. That's not lost on me. Like I've sat down with him. I've had him on the show before. So, so I've had a number of interactions with him now. That's not lost on me. And that's a really big deal. But I'll tell you what I do is I don't, I don't script any of it. And I don't, I don't bullet point any of it. And I don't tell them what we're going to talk about, especially when we have guys like Saban. Because I just want to see where we go. And so, you know, when we've interviewed him, when we had him on the show, I don't have a single thing I know we're going to talk about. I may know one question I need to get in because CBS has said, hey, could you make sure we get this because we need to clip it? But other than that, I mean, think about think about telling think about telling the version of me that that existed 10 years ago. Hey, there's going to come a time where one of the biggest media entities in the world is going to trust you to sit down with this guy and interview him. 
that would be so foreign to me at that point. And now we get to do it all the time. You mentioned the story about Kirby. That's embarrassing. That's, I would not have forgiven me, do, myself. Do, do you want me to talk about that? Or well, no? I'll, I'll tell people what happened, but I'll, I'm not making eye contact with you as I bring it up. So we were at SEC Media Days this past year. And with CBS, we are blessed enough to be in a position where we don't have to go in the media scrum. All the head coaches come to us. We have our own individual room, and there's a three cam set up in there. It's, it's the whole nine yards. It's really nice. So Claude Felton, who's been who's run Georgia forever, he comes to me the day before because Georgia was it's, – it's in Atlanta that year. So he's already in town. He comes to me and says, hey, are you doing late kick from here? Like, are you doing a show from here? And I said, yeah. He said, do you want to get Kirby on the show? Like, do you, I know we got an interview with CBS, but do you want to get him on the show? And I said, of course I do. He said, well, I can get him over here an hour early tomorrow morning. So he goes on the podium at nine. He's got some obligations at 8.30. How about we come over? Can you record something at 7.30? So I say, absolutely. So I get our crew ready. You're going to be up early. You guys are going to be up early. You're going to be down here in the ballroom. We're going to bring Kirby on. He's going to do our show before he does anything else. And that was the night of the All-Star game, I remember, because uh, that's the last thing I watched before my eyes closed. I fell asleep in my hotel room watching the All-Star game before I set my alarm clock. And I woke up at like 8.30 to, I think I had like 30-something missed calls, ton of them. And it's the worst, I, I think it's the worst I've ever felt. It was a sense of dread that you would get. I mean, if like the worst phone call came in the middle of the night, it's that level professionally. So I hurry down there. I didn't even wash my hair, Cooper. That's how bad it was. I just went downstairs and he's gone, obviously. The crew is beside themselves, but, but none of them would say it to my face because they were too nice. And about an hour later, we start to get into our work day. He pops his head in. Kirby pops his head in the door and says, it's nice to see you up finally, and came back in and did the interview with us. And that's something I never would have done. If I'm him, and he's coming off a national championship at that point, so everyone wants a piece of his time, and he came back in there and did it. I guess that, looking back, that's probably the biggest form of validation we ever got, that the guy found it in his heart to, um, to, get, to get ghosted because he shows up early and then he circles back and still does it. And I would be lying to you if I had told you I haven't caught some flack from him since then, but that's okay. Cause it's been off the record on the record. He's never said a word about it. He's probably in his mind. I have to think he's like sitting there at seven 30 cup of coffee, never been ghosted in his life. Unbelievable. Back to back national champion. He's probably sitting there and he's like, you know what? I respect it. <laughs> now I got it. Now I got to give him the interview. Just getting stood up. I mean, what were what were your first words there to him? I mean, were you just completely ashamed of you? I'm ashamed. Oh of yeah, you no, no. I went. I went as a friend. Him. Yeah, I went and hugged him. Uh, both. What he said? Now. Get off me. I'm I'm not talking about the dap and lean. I'm talking about a double arm <laughs> hug, and then I I just whispered in his ear, "Couldn't be me." I said, "You're better than me." Couldn't be me. <sighs> I'm sure he loved that. I got a nice got a nice visual of that in my head right now. Hey, before we get you out of here, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I think people know this about you if if they follow you, but you got one of the more crazier hobbies out there with your off time. I mean, you love storm chasing. Now, is that exclusive to just tornadoes or is there anything out of that or is it just bad inclement weather? I mean, 
one, where did, where did that start? And two, I mean, like what, what, what draws you to that? You're going to get me worked up here. So it is tornadoes. I'm fascinated by weather now. Atmospheric science totally fascinates me. I gave serious consideration into going into meteorology, serious consideration. So I'm very passionate about it. But um, I look, I would say the movie Twister had an impact, but I was fascinated by tornadoes and science atmospherically long before Twister came out. And that was 96. Like as a kid, this is I'm not making this up. I knew my state capitals in kindergarten and they brought the principal down the hallway at Sherwood Elementary School in Phoenix City, Alabama. They brought the principal into the class to witness it because the principal had like called BS on his teacher claiming that one of her students knew all the state capitals. I knew it from watching the Weather Channel. I didn't know it from flashcards. I knew my state capitals from just binging the Weather Channel. So then Twister comes out. And it goes from just me being fascinated by tornadoes to me being immersed and fascinated in storm chasing culture. And I, I know most people have seen Twister and most people haven't gone storm chasing. You can't imagine how thorough a job those folks did and how good a job they did on capturing the essence of the culture of storm chasing. What, what Bull Durham is to minor league baseball, Twister is to storm chasing. They couldn't have nailed it anymore. Forget about the science. Forget about like how much it actually checks out scientifically. It's entertainment. It's a Hollywood movie. But the culture of storm chasing and the, the adrenaline rush, it's insane. It's like, um, I'm going to get a little crass here for a second, but I heard someone explain it to me like this one time. And they said, if you, if you ever witness a tornado in person, I've seen seven of them. If you ever witness a tornado in person, it's combining the feeling of being at the peak of a roller coaster as you start to go downhill with being face to face with a full grown male lion with lovemaking. Those three things, <laughs> if you put them in a blender, I hear you, Lance, if you put them in a blender and you poured it out, that's what you're feeling in your body. If you're, if you're very, very close proximity wise, to a tornado in progress. It's the most unbelievable force of nature you'll ever experience. There is no amount of 4K, 8K high definition footage that does it justice. It is so much more violent in person and awe-inspiring in person than the camera could ever capture. And I know most people would be terrified about that for whatever reason I'm drawn to it. Um, there's, I just, I have such an appreciation for the majesty of it and for how insignificant and small and out of control it makes you as a human feel uh, it's man. Nature is an incredible thing. And it happens in spring, which perfectly coincides with not college football season. So that's the other great thing. That's the perk. The perk of this business is storm chasing season is open and the company does not get in the way. They understand it's just something about me. You need to go let him do it. They don't even make me take vacation time for it. I just go. I may be in Oklahoma, Kansas, the Dakotas. We used to go storm chasing and we still find a way to get the show done too. I can see like the life insurance agent from uh, Ben Stiller from Along Came Bali. <laughs> trying, trying to insure, hey, we got this guy. We really like him a lot. What's our boy's name in there? God, yep, what a role. Sandy man. Lyle is, is Sandy the, Phillips he's the proxy. Hoffman. God, what, what a, a movie. What a character. 
Dude, all those feelings you said, totally random. I can see why it's addictive. What'd you say? A lion? So here's what you got to do. What was the third one? Let me put my chapstick on for this. So you're face to face with a lion. So that's the terror. Then you are at the crest of a roller coaster. So you have the adrenaline and just the heart stopping, stomach in your throat feel. And then you have lovemaking. And I lean in for this because there are people walking down the hall. And um, I don't need to tell you what that feels like necessarily. You either know it or you don't know. But the point is, if you combine those, where else do you get this? Where I would imagine if you were in a hostage situation, it may do it for you. But that's not fun. That's not fun. It's fun to me as the police sirens get louder in the background. It's fun to me to be out there just in the middle of like Chickasha, Oklahoma. You can see six miles in all directions. And man, that red polygon pops on your radar scope out and you get to watch it and you get to see it happen. I'm in Birmingham, Tornado Alley, right? I'm close to it. Tuscaloosa. No, no, you're in what we call, yeah, you're in what we call Dixie Alley. And it is a big misnomer that a vast majority of the action happens in the Great Plains. Uh, that 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 little alley from northern Louisiana through central northern Mississippi, northwestern Alabama, and middle Tennessee, total shooting gallery. Next time they got that alarm, I hear it in the background. I might have to go catch a vibe. It sounds amazing getting the you, Tahoe. You either gotta you either gotta have James Spann on or you gotta be texting <laughs> me, one or the other. Dude, James Spann is my guy. What a Twitter follow. Love that dude. All right, Josh, before we get you out of here, you wanna plug the show? Talk to us a little bit, talk to your people. Yeah. Um, first off, make sure you like and subscribe the video you're watching right now and the channel you're on right now. Uh, Late Kick is basically done at your convenience, okay? So we do this thing Sunday night and Thursday night right now, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night during the season. It's live on the Late Kick YouTube channel. It's 8 Eastern, 7 Central. But if you don't want to watch it live, it's there in replay anytime you want it. We cut up individual videos. You've probably seen them even if you haven't seen the live show. And if you're a podcast type, Go find it in your podcast feed. Late Kick with Josh Pate. Basically, we know where you are, so it's our job to bring the show to you and to work on your schedule. And we try and do that as best we can. And all we ask humbly is that you give it a chance. I'd love for you to be our our substitute teacher from now on. Can we work on that? If I'm out, I got a honeymoon coming up. I oh, oh so so it's not just Ivan's now. I may be filling in for you. Yeah, for sure. We need a little personality. My boy, Drew, my boy Drew can get a little tight sometimes. Yeah, we'll I need fix you that. on here and keep him loose. We'll fix it. And if I have to come down there in person, I'll come down there in person. We'll fix that. <laughs> All right, everybody. We appreciate you listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. That is Josh Pate, host of The Late Kick with Josh Pate. We will be back officially next week. Ivan's will be a married man. We're looking forward to it. Guys, as always, appreciate you listening. See you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend? 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 